Yo, what's up, bro? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, it's been pretty good, actually. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, kind of a shift from, from, from last week. Yeah. yeah. I've been enjoying myself a lot more. I just see myself progressively happier and happier by as the weeks go by. Thank With God. your new uh, freelance arrangements? Yeah, definitely. Nice, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's really good to hear. It feels so nice. It's the way to go. Well, at least in the U.S. it is. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody today. I was like, God spare me. As long as I'm in the United States, like God spare me from getting working for another U.S. company. Yeah, I can see that. It's always crazy as a European looking over how kind of labor law is in the U.S. with like crazily short amounts of vacation days and like no... No, yeah, like and then no protection to get laid off on these kind of no, things. No, no, no. You have, like, I told you that at will thing that it's like that you if you remotely if you find your boss at an emotional state like you're you're, you're you can essentially and say the wrong thing like you're you're doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, that's crazy to me. But yeah, but it, it's been so good. I'm really really happy, and nice. I've been exploring more things. So it's been it's been good. I've been yeah, still obviously you know. Oh, I want to go out and do stuff, but that's the only uh, thing. What about you? Um, yeah, the last week has been tough, I want to say, especially at the beginning of last week. There were like a lot of, I guess, news that you or that I expected. Like, I feel intellectually I was aware of them. Emotionally, I hadn't really uh, accepted them yet. Um, and this goes particularly about how long certain things will be closed. And mm -hmm. at this point, I would be honestly surprised to really go back to the office anytime this year in my uh, kind of unique position that I am in. And that kind of sucked. Yeah. But you came to that realization? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty much. So in the Netherlands, every like public events will be or are not allowed until the end of, I think, September, actually. And they will slowly start to kind of open shops up again and these kind of things, but like major events are just done. And I think that this will also, or just judging from all the measures that you have to take to ensure a safe work environment, I feel it's much more simpler for companies that can to just say, hey, nobody comes into the office, we'll just work remotely until we have an actual like good plan. Yeah, because we can't space everybody out in the offices, and we have very little like control to, or we cannot just rebuild all the offices to house the same people. But now you need like your individual office or something. And then, um, since I do meet customers and I'm like have to travel, these are all things that would put me at a greater risk to carry the virus. So. This is where I would guess, even though I'm not doing any traveling right now, and I also don't expect to do any in the coming weeks or month, that if things would slowly go back to normal, because I have this greater risk that I would actually not be kind of allowed back into an office anytime soon, which, to be honest, makes perfect sense. And I fully support this. Yeah. But thinking about this and kind of, projecting a little bit into the future and what does it mean for work what does that mean for like personal life um i want to i need to take a vacation eventually but i have no idea what to do because i can't take a vacation and just stay home 
I will just go mad. Mm. Like, this is not a vacation. I need to get away. But then I also don't know where to get away to because everything is locked down. And this week has just been full of these thoughts and has really gotten me down, like, especially at the beginning of um, last week. But then over the week, I kind of built myself up a little bit. I focused a lot on, um, yeah, coding and working on side projects. And I very interestingly started to read a lot. It's like maybe the biggest change, especially since we talked about it, I think last episode, two episodes ago, and it didn't go great. Um, have actually, like I'm close to finishing a book um, this week. So very surprising mm-hmm. results there. And yeah, so week started like rough, but has improved. Um, and now I'm feeling kind of much better. Although I have to acknowledge that this is, like for me, it is difficult to kind of find a good balance with my mental health. Yeah. And I noticed that I'm using, like working on side projects in particular as kind of an escape mechanism uh, to try to kind of ignore everything else, which in a way means I'm getting a lot of shit done, but it also doesn't feel like the most healthy way to spend my time outside of work and it's definitely something I need to improve. I'm probably doing the same thing, to be honest. Subconsciously, you're right. But yeah. I think that's an interesting thought about the vacation, though, because I I can't. I, I can't. No, exactly. I need a vacation. I'm thinking, though, right now, as you were talking about it, I. What about like camping? Do you think that would be possible? So all camping sites are closed. And i'm i'm really so what i've been thinking is that i would actually so dream scenario have no idea if this is realistic but what i was thinking is getting the car waiting until everything opens up so much that you can kind of cross borders again and Mm -hmm. then maybe try to get to the south of uh sweden where they're still open where A, they're still open but that's not like the biggest point what for me is interesting it's like way less densely populated than the Netherlands and most parts of Germany. I would hope that it's easier to find like remote camping sites or vacation houses there where you're actually kind of alone and can go for hikes without meeting people or uh, you can maybe take a bicycle and just you are a little bit like more uh, by yourself. Maybe uh, trying to get friends to join with their cars as well and just do a road trip through the south uh, south of Sweden uh, and then try to go camping along the way or um, go for like nice hikes or things like this. I like the south of Sweden. I have uh, one of my roommates in Sweden was from from there. Nice. They, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's the Skåne area. I've never been, so it would be yeah. super interesting just to see. I definitely need to get out of my four walls. And... I'm so what what one of the thoughts that I had and I'm not sure in which direction will go my guess is campsites are only open to uh are or will only be allowed to reopen if they can guarantee that people are like spaced out pretty far and I think right now one of the conditions is that essentially each um space on the campsite has its own sanitary facilities I think right Mm. now as it is today, and that could change, of course, but right now only campsites are allowed to open that can guarantee this, where you have your own um, shower, your own um, toilet, essentially, on your parcel. 
The world is your toilet, man. So what I could imagine is that ironically this will be a great year to go camping because campsites are not overcrowded and you actually have space and room for yourself and like privacy but it could also be that camp like because of this it will be impossible to get like spots or something like i'm not sure in which direction oh, we I go see. but camping has been one of the things that i've been considering um just because of that me too like from being uh from me i told my wife that i was like i would love to just go camping in the middle of like nowhere in the woods look yeah. at the stars like actually uh have your camping site start a fire like cook there and the whole deal and ideally do this with like a few friends like yeah for me uh girlfriend and me getting a car we have a friend who has always planned to like build out his car to do the same so i'm hoping that i can get maybe him and then two other friends or so to join and then just go out with like five six people and chill for a week or two would be great gotta experience that primitive side you know yeah i'm craving it right now everything that is like disconnected and not in front of a screen is like highly highly appreciated yeah i feel i've spent like i'm spending all my time looking at uh at a display in one way or another i'm reading physical books that's like the only thing that actually like gets me away from a screen that's the only thing i can do actually to be honest reading physical books yeah i can't i can't really do why digital i don't oh, know okay you can't yeah. do digital or you can't do physical i can't do digital ah, okay. i have to do physical books yeah yeah i so in the beginning i was really like pro ebook and i have a kindle and i have a shit ton of books on there but the more i've tried it the less i liked it and right now i'm like hardcore in the camp of only physical books i think i've not bought an ebook in like two years and somehow it's way better for me i enjoy it more um so much better so much better talking about how we're spending our time working on side projects to distract ourselves from the state of the world yeah what have you actually worked on last week (laughs) what has happened (laughs) I've been um, just been working on the taskbook rewrite, and how's that um, coming along? It's coming along pretty great, kind of slow and steady because I'm trying to, you know, not trying to make it perfect, but I'm trying to do things in the right way and trying to figure out how it goes. But the good thing about that is that this week I, well, I've been for the past like two weeks, been diving into GraphQL nice it's really really nice and they have i don't know for just the library that um that works with graphql for elixir absinthe is just so freaking nice it's so nice they have it all well thought it's like completely different from the rails one that i uh, had experience with which was yeah. pretty annoying and horrible uh but this one is it's just so great i love it and they've solved many of the problems as well they have um so one of the things that i was looking at for the graphql was um you know i mean every, like who, who everybody had somebody has experience with it you know that it's just the types and the queries and the mutations right that you're uh, going through it and stuff <clears throat> but i have not touched it in three years so when i came back here i was like okay like let's see how the how um absent has handled um the n plus one problem 
And so I started looking into that and, and yeah, they, they, they do a very good job is, is this uh, dependency called data loader, which oh, pretty yeah. much, yeah, which w- what it actually does is just, a, it, it, it just get, it gives you it in batches, right? It gives you the data in batches. So if you're, if you have, uh, if you have a, um, an association and then you're trying to fetch uh, something else from there, then you kind of um, collect, it collects all the IDs for you while it's doing that. And then it fetches the rest of the, it fetches the um, association in one go and then mm. it links it to the, each individual one. So then, you know, then you're, you're good to go. So I was just going through, through that. And, and then I started, um, <laughs> then I started diving into the authentication part, uh, like oh. how to handle authentication. Part. Yeah. And then I was like looking at the uh, legacy now called legacy uh, API and seeing how it was, um, hashing passwords there. And then it led me to another rabbit hole because it was using, uh, not sure how secure it is to say, but (laughs) it was using Node.js crypto. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was trying to find the equivalent of that in um, Elixir. And obviously being something on top of Erlang, you can already tap into whatever library from Erlang and Erlang does have crypto to uh, mm-hmm. as a cryptography to to hash whatever it is you want to hash and that's how it was doing it so what um so it's using i don't know how to how you actually correctly say it but it was using sha512 mm-hmm. to um hash the passwords yeah and it's like and it's storing the salt as well because it's like i was looking i was looking at like why it was that it, who whoever did it because you know it wasn't the the um creator he got help to build the back end and i was looking at why he chose that approach yeah. to uh to use crypto jazz to uh in in that strategy to encrypt um and actually like it is suggested um, in a couple mm. of places to use that, that, that approach. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of like you generate a salt, right. Yeah. Um, and then you add your password into the hash, you, um, add the salt into the hash and then, uh, you, um, encode it base, uh, 64. Yeah. And then that's what you store in your password hash, but you're storing the hash and you're storing the salt in order for the next time a user logs in, you do the same thing. And you do like, does this equal, does this ha- new hash equal the one stored? And then if it, if it equals, then it's, and it's valid. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember at, I remember implementing this flow with like PHP 15 years ago or so. Yeah. Yeah. So and I started diving in a little more and I was like, is this actually secure? Cause like all I've known coming from rails is bcrypt yeah. pretty much. I've never really had to dive into a lower like level of password hashing. Cause we've been very spoiled with device, you know? And, uh, so I'm starting to look at, at what is, what is best. And, uh, and I, I, uh, I won't, first I was like, okay, I'll just do the same thing. But then I was like, wait a minute. Like I started looking at a little more, uh, articles and comments and apparently like all OWASP is like, it, it tells you not to do this. 
Interesting. Uh, yeah, because apparently is is um, like brute force. It's it's like a fast mm. password or whatever, so it doesn't need a lot of resources, mm. so it can be brute oh, yeah. force quicker than most. Uh, so I started looking at what was like what was best, and there's a dependency for Elixir called Come On In. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and it. Uh, let me see if I can find it. But I was starting to look at what like what I should switch it for because I'm trying yeah. to. Cause that's the interesting part. Like I have to, so I've decided I'm going to switch it to a better, a better approach and I need to implement the new approach for new registered users. But then what do I do for the old existing users? And I'm thinking that since they already send their password down, I can, uh, um, base it on the salt because I don't no longer want to save the salt, for example, and seeing if yeah. it's, if it's not null, then I go ahead and, um, and, um, switch it for the new way right and then that's how i'm I'm thinking of doing it yeah you can like one by one over time essentially rehash all the passwords from the old scheme to the new scheme like every time somebody logs in you can compare it with the old one but then write the new one into the database and then from there and use the new uh, new scheme exactly exactly that's what i'm uh that's what i'm thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna do so um is your plan to then use bcrypt or uh no why what i was looking i was looking at like what's the most uh most secure way of uh of like hashing passwords and it it i was looking at it and somebody recommended like everybody is recommending another one that is like the most secure one i don't think there is the most secure one by definition right right right. always trade-offs but yeah but um uh Obviously, Bcrypt is the the one that is advised for because mm. it has the long. Like, it's still very good because it has the longest trajectory. Um, I mean, track record, right, of yeah. being secure and and actually holding its own. And it's been so many years, and it's still really great. But there was another one that I have to look for right now. But then, like for me, the big question, or what I find nice about using bcrypt here is that you would be able to essentially find an implementation for bcrypt in any language that you might ever want to interact with the or with you know that you use to interact with the data so while you now have a backend that's written in linux here maybe for taskful for it will be a node.js rewrite or something and i bet you can find the bcrypt module for for node again or Rails yeah. for that matter, or whatever. Like it's so universal that it's supported by essentially any language or any tech stack that you might want to use. Argon two, I think it's called. Oh, I've heard about that once. I have zero yeah. context what it is. I've just heard the name. To be fair, like I've. Yeah, this is what I'm. This is what I'm researching now. Um, and let's see, it says Argon2 is a password hashing function that summarizes the state of the art in the design of memory hard function and can be used as hashing password for credential storage, key derivation, or uh, other applications. Yeah, it says it's a, it's a simple design aimed at the highest memory filling rate and effective use of multiple computing units while still providing defense against straight-off attacks by exploring the cache and memory organization of the recent processor. Interesting. So, yeah, it's uh, it's the successor and uh, of it, apparently. 
so mm-hmm. that's what it's saying. Like it's saying nice. Oregon 2 is the official winner of the password hashing competition. Oh, okay. So it's not something like ob- some obscure thing that somebody suggested in like a random. No, 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 actually no, like no, a- no, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> definitely not. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. So be, be interesting, yeah, still. yeah. But you that that argument is uh, that you you're, you're saying right now. It's it's pretty valid. I mean, but then to be fair, if it's, it's fairly new, so yeah. But then if it's really like such a standard in a way, then I would guess that over time you will have support for it um, in other stacks as well. So it, yeah. Yeah, this is what it comes for um, by default. So this is the one I'm going to be uh, using. Nice. And seems seems pretty good. But yeah, yeah I went down good. that rabbit hole now. Yeah, now all that strategy of how to, uh, like, what's the best? I mean, obviously, it, it looks straightforward, but implementing it will be a different story. But that's that's where I'm at now. And yeah, so I've run into interesting challenges and I'm pretty happy about the progress. I, I haven't made huge amounts of progress, yeah. but I feel like, my knowledge is gaining. I feel like I'm growing as a developer. I feel like I'm um, becoming, you know, um, more knowledgeable in Elixir and Phoenix and in like the various concepts. So pretty happy, pretty happy. Yeah, nice. That was one of the yeah. goals for this year. So top. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. So yeah. that's, that's good. What about you? How's it been going with your, uh, you know, obviously you've had the uh, mental so- things to deal with, but... Yeah, I've been, I want to call it like I've been procrastinating pretty hard. I, like the last few times we talked about like side projects, I think we mostly talked about like the the sim racing um, work that I want to do to kind of build like this this shared API that can connect all the different simulations. I've not actually worked on that for I think the last two, maybe three weeks. I've been mm. pretty consistently busy with smaller projects that, but you've been moving forward then. Yeah, like so still, I, you, yeah. I fully embraced kind of going with the flow here. I feel, especially in this time and with kind of the challenges for my mental health, I was like, hey, if I feel in the mood to work on this, I'll just work on this, even though it's probably a week, in air quotes, wasted because it's an effort that doesn't actually have a significant um, impact. But if I enjoy it, if it makes fun, then I'll just kind of do it and worry about like the bigger things later nice welcome to my world yeah so what i did is there's this really nice productivity app for mac os called alfred which i've been raving about to all people that know me um yeah multiple times like two years ago you definitely showed me in uh mac (laughs) exactly like it's for me it's it's definitely the first tool that i install whenever i have a fresh mac and it is one that i that keeps me in the OS X ecosystem. Every time I've considered switching to like Linux or Windows, lack of this tool has seriously been a contributing factor to my decision to yeah, essentially buy a Mac OS. Why are you calling Mac- it a productivity app though? Isn't it just a search? No, so this is the thing. It has search functionality, but it also has a lot of other things you can do. It's like basically it's spotlight but much much better so you can uh, search the web you can search your pc you can open files um interact with the um with your file system through alfred and like really rapidly um move through different folders these kinds of things it has integration built in for like itunes and like various different media players so that you can control Mm. these things from uh, alfred as well but then the most 
Is yeah. it paid? So I think most of these things are still in the free version, but then the killer feature that is definitely worth the paid version is workflows. And workflows are essentially pre-made um, yeah, workflows, for lack of a better word. Um, and they can cover anything. Most often they are wrappers around other tools. So mm-hmm. there's, for example, a workflow for Spotify that you can control Spotify from Alfred. And this workflow just calls either through Apple script or through uh, shell scripts or through other binaries, essentially calls into these tools to change what they're doing. I have one installed that lets me control caffeinate um, on Mac. So, for example, like disable the screensaver, these kinds of things. And... In, especially in the latest version of Alfred, they've become insanely powerful because you can do a lot of logic in your workflow. So you can essentially with like a drag and drop UI can build these things up and say, hey, I'll uh, call this script and then the output I feed into like this logic filter. And if there's an update in the text that I get and I want to do this action and if there's a built in there i want to go to like this branch and then in this branch i want to call like the next script and you can build these things up or you can like open a file and copy something to the clipboard or launch like various things from the workflow like it's really cool really powerful and a lot of fun to play with and there's like a huge repository where you can download like workflows other people have built for like various different apps and things and it's really fun it's really cool and I think like five years ago, I built one to generate git ignore files using the templates that uh, GitHub provides. So GitHub has a repository that's full of like, I think 229 git ignore files for like various languages and editors and operating systems and like whatever needs a git ignore file that I have in there essentially. And I built this tool where I can say, hey, I want to build a git ignore file that has Linux in it, that has Ruby in it, and that has Rails in it. And then you get this git ignore file that combines all of these three files in one. And that was written in Python, which worked great for roughly two years. And then with macOS Sierra, there was a bug that caused these Python workflows to fail. Mm-hmm. And then I updated the library that I used to build this and it worked again. But since it's five years old, I had no confidence in the code and like what I've written and in a way, I wanted to fix a few bugs or like improve the workflow, but then I had no idea anymore what I actually did back then. So I thought this is a nice opportunity to just spend a weekend working in Rust and build like a nice CLI um, that I can call from Alfred that does all the things that the Python code did before. That and in the end, great. it didn't took me like a weekend. I needed a week. But... <laughs> I rewrote this as like a Rust CLI that you can call and you pass in the arguments, uh, for example, like the names of these templates, and then the CLI produces a JSON that can be read by Alfred so that it can show it in its UI. Mm-hmm. And then you can, just like before, essentially build this up, but then towards the end, when you generate the file, it now asks you whether or not you want to open the file in your like favorite editor or if you want to copy it to the clipboard and like has these improvements over the previous Python version. And the code is pretty horrendous in large parts, but then it doesn't really matter because it's Rust and it's fast enough so that I don't need to care. 
but I think I could yeah. improve like the memory management and these kind of things. I'm cloning mm. data pretty heavily, but it also yeah literally doesn't matter because it's four s- strings that you enter, and if I clone them, it's okayish. But this has been really fun to work on, and has taught me a lot about Rust and how kind of the CLI CLIs work there, and was a nice kind of distraction that also achieved or where achieved like very tangible results. So. I actually finished something. I deployed a new version. Um, it was really nice to kind of work on this and see that there's progress and um, like small wins along the way. And I've really felt like I needed this uh, this week. So that's been a lot of fun to kind of work on this. Did you finish it? Yeah. Finished, update, like uploaded, released. Made a well, GIF uh, that shows how it works. Like it's all done. Really? Yeah. Let me see it. Uh, I actually Send put it, it on over. Twitter, I think. Yeah? All yeah. right. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, nice. So yeah, this has been fun. And then I know we talked about a few different things that I might want to get into. Um, I think mostly off the air. That also have nothing to do with the project that I'm actually like working on, like the bigger picture kind of thing with mm-hmm. like the summarizing. But are smaller things that I am super interested in. And I will probably just focus very heavily on the next, which is also in Rust and is a CLI that will help me organize documents on my machine in a semi-automated way. And the reason I want to pick this up is that I have a lot of documents on my desk that I would Mm -hmm. need to get through. Uh And I always dreamed of having a paperless office so yeah. my ideal workflow would be to, when I get a letter, scan it, mm-hmm. dump the letter, ideally put it in a shredder, but that's not a piece of hardware that I own, but essentially destroy the letter and then just have the digital copy and work with that mm-hmm. because I have way too many documents flying around my apartment and I am too lazy to organize them properly or like just I lack yeah. the, the folders and uh, things to put them and most of them are not necessary to keep anyway but I also don't want to have like one gigantic folder with like a thousand PDFs that I will never mm-hmm. find what I'm looking for and I noticed that again in these times where attention is pretty hard to find anyways that I feel like if I can sort this out and actually improve this part of my life it would have a significant impact on my Uh, kind of calm and kind of mental happiness so i feel like it makes sense to kind of invest here and spend a few weeks building this it's again a very nice opportunity to use rust for me and build a cli which i'm really looking forward to and then there's like this really again like crazy idea like if i want to like if i really enjoy this and it works really well i have a pretty cool idea how to build like a small product out of this where you have like the CLI that can do everything Mm -hmm. that you want to do. But then I could also really see how this could be interesting to use as a really good excuse to use React TypeScript and build like an Electron app that does like interacts with the Rust library through a WebAssembly module so that you can essentially use a nice graphical UI to manage all your files while the core logic is still implemented in Rust and still interacts with your local file system. Yeah. And then have this as like cool. a 
nice thing and like maybe this is something that um where like i could imagine this as or one scenario i could imagine is that you have like the cli for free and maybe like build like a small product out of the desktop app or something but it's it's definitely a problem that first and foremost i want to solve for myself it's a really good excuse to use rust and build a library build a cli around this but i can also really see where it would be super interesting to use this as an excuse to then um dive deeper into like WebAssembly, uh, TypeScript and React and yeah. maybe see how it would look to build like an Electron app with these technologies, which in turn could then in the long run also be interesting again for like this embracing stuff and if I ever get to it. So I'll probably okay. be able to share more about this next week uh, in our next Nice, next exciting. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's... I. I'm definitely. Uh, I, I will share more about uh, next week how I picture this working because I'm super excited about this tool and I think it. I'm not sure why it doesn't exist, and I could very well imagine that it does, and I just don't know it. But I also, with like Classic. my googling skills, which yeah. are not always great, I have to admit, but I couldn't find anything that goes in the direction that I want. So it feels like something that could be valuable for more people than just me, and like having a nice open source tool uh, is something that is really attractive to me. So yeah, yeah, man. I want to hear more about this. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll prepare something for next week. Cool, cool. Nice. All right. Anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think we can wrap up here. Nice. Good. Then we have an exciting topic for next week. We'll give a shout out to Pablo because he asked for it, and it's the fourth <laughs> in a row. Shout out. And there will definitely be cake when we meet again. For us, of course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He he's, he's he won it. Yeah, and yeah, it was great talking to you. Yeah, Stay you, man. healthy, everyone, and talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.